CalCast is delivered by FedEx. From where it's sourced to where it's used, FedEx helps deliver global e-commerce. FedEx has been helping e-commerce for years with networks built over 40 years and delivers to over 220 countries and territories. Visit FedEx.com slash the journey to learn more. FedEx offers the tools to start a small business and thanks to their global e-commerce network, they can deliver them too. Again, visit FedEx.com slash the journey to learn more. Jason Taylor is today's guest, Hall of Fame football player, retired five years ago from the NFL, uh, made his mark with the Dolphins, uh, grew up in Pittsburgh. He says Stillers, but he's no more Yins or downtown and Gumban and none of that. He's he's now down in Miami, so he's got he's got the lingo. He got he doesn't have the Pittsburgh anymore. Played at Akron. Played at Akron going to talk about his coaches. I love when he talks about the impact that they've had on him. Was a heck of a basketball player. Played both uh, at Akron. We talk a little bit about that. Um, this is a guy that's more than just basketball. Um, and I think you're going to enjoy him talking about his life and his history. Um, and the lessons he's learned that I think will resonate with everyone who listens to this have fun with it jason taylor all right welcome folks to the Calcast. this is coach cal and uh today's guest hall of famer jason taylor that's right miami but how about this grew up in pittsburgh like i grew up in pittsburgh uh, Jason, how are you? I'm great, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I appreciate you doing this. And our, our, the people that listen to these, and they're just geez, over a million listens right now, um, they enjoy learning about you. And, and, you know, as much as I know, I still want to learn more. Um, you know, aside from Hall of Fame, I mean, the Walter Payton Man of the Year, which means you're not just into football, you're into people. But... Some of that has to be growing up in Pittsburgh. Tell me about growing up in Pittsburgh. Give me some stuff that maybe most of us wouldn't know. Well, um, anybody I think that's heard of people from Pittsburgh or been there or, or seen the Steelers play or kind of see the whole attitude around people from that city, it's a uh, it's a blue collar, hard working kind of keep your nose down the grindstone kind of city and. Yeah, I grew up on. There's there's two parts of Pittsburgh. There's the Dan Marino side, and then there's the Jason Taylor side. My side was was not quite as nice. Didn't have as much grass. Didn't have as much. Uh, didn't have as many amenities. But uh, you know, it it turns out a lot of great people, a lot of great ball players. And it's one of those places where I look back now and say, you know what? I'm glad I was from a place like that where I learned the hard way how to fight and strive and. And struggling sometimes because those struggles are what makes you better in life. Uh, what high school? Uh, actually, I was homeschooled technically uh, in high school, but I played for Woodland Hills High School. So uh, a guy named George Novak was longtime football coach and, and AD at Woodland Hills. 
You know, I have to say this. You said Stillers. You are from Pittsburgh because it's not Steelers. It's Stillers. You know, you, <laughs> you have to say downtown. You, you, you know, do you, do you still have yins? You do any of the yin stuff or no? You're, bas, you're past yins. No, no, Coach, I had to drop that. When I came south, you know, yins, if you said yins, yins doesn't come very far south. No, like, <laughs> no, if you said it down there, they'd say, where the heck are you from, yins? Yeah, exactly. You get, you get past that Mason-Dixon line. They have no idea what's going on with yins and and downtown and all that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I've lost some of it. Some, I'm, I'm still. They, they still think I'm a little bit of a, you know, the Western PA man. They got their own language. Ja- I call people Jack. Yeah, when I go, when I go back now and I hear my mom and my family talking in Pittsburgh, I'm like, man, you guys sound so weird. You know, it's, <laughs> do you? I, do I grew you, up there for 18 years. I've been gone for 22 years now. So it's different. All right, let me ask you. You, you call anybody a Jagoff? I mean, you got to use Jagoff. Jagoff is like a <laughs> no. universal. I call people Jagoff. They get mad. And I said, sometimes that's in a, a term of affection. You Jagoff. I mean, but anyway. Yeah, I, they, they, they wouldn't like, understand that. No, no, no. Um, why Akron? Why, why the University of Akron? Uh, in short, because it was free. You know, I got it. That was the first scholarship offer I got to play yeah. football and and then allowed me to play basketball as well. Or they said they would allow me to play basketball as well. So I took it. You know, I grew up, you know, my mom didn't have a whole lot. So it was either, you know, you get a scholarship to school or or you join the military. The military wasn't for someone like me. So I had to I had to work on my game. And you know, guy after came around my senior year during basketball season while I was still going through the recruiting process for basketball. And they said you could play both sports. A guy named Jerry Faust. Jerry Old Faust was there then? Jerry Faust? Yeah, Jerry Faust. Wow. Yep. Do you Came remember? He come play for me. How about, do you remember when he went and, and, and everybody, Akron basically said, we want to go big time. We're bringing in yep. Jerry Faust. We're going to invest in this program. We want to go big time. If for, for See, the issue with doing podcast, most of the people listening are millennials. You and I are talking, Google, yeah. so we'll say it this way. All you listeners, Google Jerry Faust. You're talking about one of the most passionate, enthusiastic, positive. Uh, would you say those would be good traits to talk about him? Absolutely. Spot on. He's still the same way, too. I mean, Jerry Files still writes. He writes me handwritten notes Come on stationery. Come on. Licks, licks a stamp and puts it in the mail. Coach, I swear, I got one. Heck, I, I got one, actually, two weeks ago. He sent me a handwritten note two weeks ago, licked the stamp, and put a, a, a donation in there for my foundation and sent it to me. He sends me one or two a year. Isn't that he sends the greatest? Me one or two a year. It's amazing. And, you know, but that's when you find out why you went to Akron. He walks in and you say, I trust this man. And I bet you your right. mom said, I trust this man with my baby. Absolutely. That was number one. Would she, know, which, which she, was she like all for it when you said, I'm going to Akron? She said, happy? I'm happy? Um, I think it was, it, it was a long time ago, but it might have been more like my mom saying, you're going to Akron. And, and I say, yeah, I am kind of thing. Like she, she loved Coach Faust. I mean, Coach Faust and Bob Junko, the uh, defensive coordinator there at Akron, came and sat in the couch and just, you know, when when your kid's ready to go to college, as you know, Coach, you do it for a living. You, know, you those parents are now entrusting you to become kind of their parent, you know, and, and their mentor for the next 
one to four years, five years, whatever it is. So it's it was a big deal for some parents to really let their kid go like that. And for my mom, it was very important that that the values that the coach and the coaching staff and the program held were in line with what you know she believed and how she taught me and raised me, and the, and the discipline that she tried to show me growing up. So I mean, it was. And Coach Faust had her hook, line, and sinker I mean, from the beginning, and she was she was all about it. You know, it's it's you know I walk in and uh, and I'm not going to mention the player, but he's in my office with his mom and dad, and he says, "Coach, I'm coming." And I jump up from behind my I hug him, I hug the family. The kid Kenny Payne's in there with me. The kid walks out of my office. The mother and father start crying. Coach, you got to make this work. Please, please, we're trusting you with our son. You have no idea how hard this is for us to do this. People don't get that. And they wonder, you know, my relationships with these kids are based on that. Like, I feel a sense of responsibility that this young man make it. That's why when kids leave me early earlier than they should, Jason. I, I Sometimes it breaks my heart because I know they needed more time. You shouldn't go mm-hmm. yet, but I'm not going to hold you back because it's your decision and your life has to be your life. But I've had my heart broken. Not, not that I'm mad, that I just know it's going to be a hard road and that I cannot play a part of that road. I'm done now. So you're going to be out there, son, by yourself fighting those sharks and you had to feel when you left and went to the NBA or NFL, or you could probably, after watching you play, you probably could have gone to the NBA. But you, you had to know it was a man's world. Like, uh-oh, just changed. I mean, let, let me say this first. When did you start? You were at Akron. Now, you played for a guy who would paint a picture for you of, Jason, you don't know how good you are, my guess. You're as good as any of these guys. Jason, why wouldn't you strive to be? I would imagine that's what you got. But when did you start thinking about NFL? Um, you're right. That's what I got from day one from uh, Coach Faust and, and the belief, the confidence, the support. You know, and it's and those things are big for a kid, you know, especially for a kid like myself that, you know, I didn't play football until I was a senior in high school. And I was a basketball guy all my life. So, the game of football was still new to me in 92 when I went to Akron and you know, the, the belief that that coach files and Junko and the rest of the guys had in, in me, not only as a player, but also as an athlete, just kind of put me out there and say, you can do this. We have your back. You know, we're going to support you, you know, and, and make that process easy for me, easier for me or make it seem attainable for me was, was huge. And, and I, and I needed that now not having a, a father figure growing up. I, I needed that. I needed that structure, that discipline, and the biggest thing, that support. That support where, you know, a guy, a coach, an authority figure can look at me and smile and say, you know what, good job. Or, hey, that's, that's good, but you can do better. Or, hey, you're not, you're not holding up your end of, the, uh, end of the bargain. You need to get your butt in line. You know, all those things, I needed that. So, I mean, as, as I went on, you know, it was probably, it was my junior year, really. It was after my junior year, and, we had a pro day at Akron and I ran for the pros and, and had, was a, was an all American my junior year at linebacker. And that's kind of when the attention came around a little bit and the scouts were around the practices and things like that. And before that coach, I really never, I never thought I would make it. Uh, I still didn't think I'd make it after my senior year as a practice squad or somehow get in the league. Like just get me in the door 
give me an opportunity and let me see if I can go compete. I, I know I'm athletic. I know I'm, I could I could do a lot of things that people aren't giving me credit for, but I just need that opportunity. I need that stage, and I was lucky to get that. You know, with the the Senior Bowl and some of the All Star games. You know, I, I love. You know, as a coach, sometimes we have to light that fire or reignite the fire from within. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of times, it's making kids understand you are responsible for you, but we're going to put you on a stage here and try to prepare you. But we can't be up there with you. At the end of the day, you got to do this. And and you know, I think hearing this from you, um, you know, and then you get that, you make it, you bust through, and all of a sudden, you're that guy. Who were your coaches in Miami? Who who were the who were the guys that you said look? Well, J- Jimmy Johnson was Jimmy Johnson was my NFL's Jerry Faust. He Jimmy was Johnson he was again, another one. A, he was another one. Yeah, you got lucky. I mean, in that you didn't have a story. You know, you you didn't have that guy that wasn't going to be honest and upfront and tell you the truth. You had a guy that was going to tell you exactly how it was, and and be upbeat and positive, and we can do this and paint a picture. How lucky were you? One, 100%. I cannot express to you how fortunate I was to have a Jerry Faust and then a Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy was the perfect coach for me to have as a rookie coming in the NFL. Not only because of the, the belief he had. I mean, he threw me in there as a starter my rookie year. You know, when I got drafted, it was, there was questions of he's 235, 240 pounds. There's no defense, defensive ends this size in the NFL. Where does he play? He's kind of, you remember the, the word tweener? It's kind of gone away now because everybody wants long, lean yeah. pass rushers. But it used to be this tweener tag and people didn't know where to play. So I remember on draft night when Jimmy called me and, and uh, said, you know, do you want to be a Miami, Miami Dolphin? Well, of course I do, coach. So I asked him on the phone, you know, where am I going to play? Because I was buying into this tweener tag, this category that people were coming up with of not knowing where this person fits in. So I asked him on the phone while I was still in Pittsburgh and he was here in Miami. I said, where am I going to, you know, where are you drafting me to be? Like what, what position? And he goes, Oh, you're going to be a defensive end in this league. You're going to put your hand in the dirt and get out of the quarterback. And I had never thought that like when I was going through the draft process and coming into, into my rookie year in the NFL, I didn't know I was again, stigmatized by that tag of saying, okay, I'm a tweener. I don't know if I fit. You know, I started doubting yourself because everybody else was saying that you don't. But Jimmy, from day one, the first second, he goes, oh, your hand's going to be in the dirt rushing the passer. And I got down here, and he put me in a, a wide five technique and said, don't worry about all the other minutia. We'll, fi- we'll figure all that out. We'll teach you all that. We'll get you bigger and stronger. But you put your hand in the dirt. In the dirt. When that ball was snapped, you go chase the ball and hit anything coming toward anything in between. And that's, but coach, that, that, that stage, that platform, that belief, and really him taking the leash off and and putting me out there really, I mean, it it meant the world to me and and really helped build my confidence and, and put me on an early stage in the NFL where I said, you know what? I don't care that I went to a smaller school. I can, these guys are the same as me. Matter of fact, I'm a way better athlete than some of these guys. I'm way more prepared mentally and physically than some of these guys. I've been through more adversity than some of these guys. I have a better support system. You know what I mean? I have more discipline. So it it allowed me to really start stacking myself up against guys and realize that, hey, maybe I do belong here. And let me treat every day like it's my first. 
I, I got to say this. You know, I use the term positionless because they use that same crap in basketball. Tweener this, tweener. I just need to know one thing. Will you fight? If you right. fight. Look, people look at me and say, this guy's crazy. He's he's all. I'm not on guys for missed shots or turnovers or breaking off a play. I'm on guys about fighting. And if you watch me coach, if a guy doesn't come up with a ball, a guy doesn't dive on the re- I'm listen, I don't care what your size is. You're three inches taller, you're three inches shorter. It doesn't matter. Fight. Fight. And then the positionless stuff that I talk about, all this can you play or not play? And I love what you're talking about. You played to your strengths, and you're in the Hall of Fame because you played to your strengths. And you know what? You had a coach that let you. Dude, right. let you play to here's I don't need you to be all this. I needed you to put your hand in the dirt and go get hands on that quarterback. And you think about yep. that. I mean, I, I sit here and listen, it gives me goosebumps because I'm trying to do the same thing in basketball. Play to your strengths. All I'm saying is we'll piece a team together. You may be a driver, you may be a shooter. You may be the guy that absolutely runs down every ball. All right, I, let, let's talk of this. You know, your team. I mean, when you said teammates, throw some teammates out at me who you thought dudes would be. You know, if I was in a foxhole, I want these dudes beside me. I mean, who would you say? And I hate to say that because you may leave out somebody, but do it anyway. Throw some names and yeah. maybe give some stuff right. about those guys. I mean, I got, I got a handful of guys. I mean, number one, Dan Marino. I mean, it's, Pittsburgh, it's, Pittsburgh, it's, it's, exactly. Pittsburgh. Exactly. He is that guy. He is that. Do you talk about belief? I mean, I came in the league and Dan was 30, maybe 35, you know, toward the, toward the end of his career. But a guy that believed in himself, believed in his teammates, held people accountable, would fight. I mean, the, the guy couldn't move. He, could, he couldn't make you miss in a phone booth. I mean, he, like he, Dan was just, he was what he was. He was a pocket passer at that time. He had so many injuries, but he had ultimate belief in his arm and his teammates, and that, that dude fought every day in practice. We competed every day against a Hall of Famer on the center at practice. Zach Thomas, I mean, not, not, the, not the biggest guy in the world, 5'11". Another guy that people thought was undersized, couldn't play in this league at middle linebacker. That summer gun was a football-biting dude. Now, he, <laughs> he loved the game of football. He prepared better than anybody I've ever seen in any sport or any walk of life, period. I mean, he made me such a better player just by him, just by watching him work, his work ethic and his preparation during the week and the hours he would spend at the facility after everybody else was gone, you know, and he's leaving the facility at 10 o'clock at night and I'd be done, watch extra film, do some extra stuff, get a little rehab and treatment. It's seven thirty, eight o'clock. I'm thinking I'm going to be one of the last ones out and Zach's, you know, just now getting a meal and sitting down to watch film for two more hours and made you feel bad for leaving early. And then, you know, I was like, Man, I, just, I can't leave after Zach. Like, I need to get home. He was just that guy. He worked tirelessly and made each and every one of us better. I got a guy named Tim Bowens, a defensive tackle from Mississippi. The guy, he's a, just one of those country strong guys, coaches. You know, <laughs> not a real big weight room guy. He'll go in the weight room when he has to, you know, kind of sit around and throw some weight around. 
bench 450 pounds a couple times just to show he can do it. But there is nobody in this world, nobody walking God's green earth that I want with me in a foxhole or in an alley or on a football field, a basketball court, anywhere than Tim Bowens. He, he's that dude. He's, he is fiercely loyal, a great teammate. Will hold up double. He held up double teams for ten years. Never wanted to talk to the press. Never wanted to get a sack. He didn't care. I mean, this guy used to keep his paychecks. He used to get paychecks for whatever five hundred thousand dollars a check, and put them on top of his refrigerator, and not not even take them to the bank. Like he was just one of those country yeah. guys that yeah. didn't care about all the fluff. But he was just out there to ball and to make. The guys around him better and to enjoy the process. So did, I mean, was, did he do I mean, it with a smile? Did he do it with a smile oh. on his face? Always, always had a smile. Now, when Timbo got pissed, when Tim Bowens got pissed, like you need to evacuate. <laughs> like, like I'm not, I'm not talking about leave him alone. I'm talking about we need to evacuate now. And everybody get away. <laughs> I, but he was just, he was just one of those guys. Just, I'm telling you, the greatest teammate ever. Let's take a quick time out. I can't tell you how many people I know have thanked me for turning them on to ZipRecruiter. If you or someone you know is hiring for their business, you need to listen up. Because here's the thing. If you don't know where to post your job to find the best candidates out there, you won't hire the right person. Your competition will. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Then quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. You can add multiple people to your account, making it the most efficient way for your team to find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once. And watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. Man, I feel for my friend Papa. Less than three weeks into the season and more than 10 grand slams have already been hit. Those grand slams are Papa slams, meaning fans everywhere get 40% off the regular menu price of their pizzas the next day by entering the code Papa Slam on Papa John's app or at PapaJohns.com. Here's the crazy thing. Papa John's is running this amazing promotion all season long. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Even if your favorite team loses, you still win the next day with 40% off your pizza. Again, just enter the code PAPASLAM at PapaJohns.com or the Papa John's app. Speaking of the app, if you haven't downloaded the Papa John's mobile app yet, download it right now. I'm telling you, it's the easiest way to order a hot, fresh Papa John's pizza wherever you are and whenever you want. And don't forget my special promo code, Coach Cal, which gets you 25% off the regular menu price on everything, including my favorite, the pan pizza, every day of the week. Again, a great deal on delicious Papa John's pizzas, either at PapaJohns.com or on the amazing Papa John's app. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. 
I'm trying to convince kids this these days that you're in a dogfight. Uh, and and being friends with the other guy. See, nowadays, with all the internet, with the social media, the back and forth, uh, the AAU, they all know each other. They're all playing in all these games together. What ends up happening is they're all friends. And you know, you know, they're friends you have, but you've got to be willing to fight and battle with a smile on your face, because I'm telling all these kids, when I see a kid that never smiles, I'm like saying, you got to have fun doing this. If you're not having yeah. fun, you'll never reach your potential. You got to have a smile. You got to have fun with your teammates. And that's why I say the ultimate competitor that would smile and make you feel good, and make you smile. I mean, and, yep. and, and that's what's important. Who else? Give me some other names. Um, a receiver. We don't typically hear about receivers being those guys you want in the foxhole, but O.J. McDuffie, um, old Penn State receiver, played for, for the Dolphins for his entire career. The toughest SOB I've ever seen line up with his hand not in the dirt. I mean, he's just one of those guys. Third down back, wasn't the fastest guy in the world. Wasn't the most physically talented. I mean, he was athletic and had quicks, and but great football instincts. A great, and this, as a coach, I'm sure you, you harp about this all the time, he had a great IQ for his game. I mean, there was basketball IQ, there was football IQ. I mean, he had a very, very high football intelligence. And just, you know, he, he, knew, he, he knew what to do. He knew when to do it. I mean, he was always had your back. He was tough. He would go across the middle and take hits. That's before receivers were protected like they are today, where, you know, you can't, you can't even hit guys anymore going across the middle. I mean, OJ was... He would not run out of bounds. He'd catch a five yard out, try to put his foot in the dirt and come back inside and hit, just to hit the corner. He just wanted to hit the <laughs> cornerback before he ran out of bounds. Like he was just one of those guys and just a, the tough as nails and always had your back. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. You know, I watch guys nowadays that would, that, that'll run, you know, third and seven. They'll run a, they'll run a stop route, a little hitch route at like six and a half yards, get tackled six inches short of the first down. Like, like little stupid things. Well, and you're sitting there watching it saying he's doing that for us. He's trying to get three more yards. He's trying to – he ain't running out of yeah. bounds. It's it, those kind of guys, right? I mean – Right. It's amazing. He's just one of those guys. I mean, he, he, was an, he was an offensive player, but I swear he went to bed every night wishing he played defense. He was just <laughs> one, of those, one of those hard-nosed guys. And it just – when guys like that laid on the line – they, you're not always going to be successful. They're not always going to light the scoreboard up with points or, or with touchdowns. You know, we're not always going to win every game. But when you when you see a guy like an OJ or a Zach Thomas or so many of the teammates that I've had, even on other teams when I went to the, went to New York, a guy like Damian Thomas, and you see guys like that that just lay it out there and just put it all out there and throw themselves around and give it up for you. I mean, come on, man! I'd do anything in the world for him. I don't care about the, the result of the game. That's going to pass. Tomorrow is going to be a new day, but I know this guy will always have my back, will always be there for me. And in turn, I'm going to do everything I can to not let him down and not disappoint him and not let him turn around and look at me in the locker room and say, man, did JT, did he leave it all out there today? Like, there was never going to be that question. Uh, and I want all the millennials that are listening to this, um, I really believe 
the face-to-face interaction is is how you create the bonds you're talking about. Being in wars together, being face-to-face with each other. Look, the, what I'm trying to do here is teach kids what it means to be servant leaders. You're about each other. To be your brother's keeper. And And at the end of the year, my teams, it's not... We come together because they care about one another. We lost that last game. We, we had guys crying in that locker room. Guys that they said, well, they don't care. They're going to the NBA. They do care because they care about each other. It's not just the winning and losing. It's about that I let my brother down. And, and that, unless you're in this, unless it's face-to-face, it's just so hard. I just, you know, texting and email. I don't do email because I want people to come and see me. But I'll text and I tweet. But my tweet is one way. It's a one-way dialogue. I'm giving you stuff. I don't care what you say back. But... I think we're getting too much of that other where you're talking about this is my brother. They can't be your brother unless you're in the trenches together. And if it's all by email or through each other's agent, come on, you know. I'm going to read something to you. Jason, this was uh, a letter written on your behalf. Coach Belichick and the rest of our staff have a reputation of game planning against the team's strengths. Perhaps one of the biggest accomplishments I can pay to Jason is the amount of hours we spent watching film over the years and going over what we needed to do to neutralize him. I can't say we ever came up with a great answer. That's one paragraph in a letter written on your behalf for the Hall of Fame which, from what I understand, you didn't even know was written on your behalf. Um, right. Tom Brady. I mean, what, what, when you heard that he did this, and, and I, I'm not going to go through the whole letter, but the letter is amazing. What, what were your thoughts? I was, uh, I was floored, really. I mean, very humbled, very honored. And again, this is, this is a guy that's a friend of mine. Um, you know, I didn't ask him for it. I I hadn't talked to him in a, in a little while. You know, we were buddies, and we'd hang, we'd see each other in the off season. We'd hang out and stuff. But as you talked about, when we got in that field, I mean, my goodness, I thought I was a, an a hole in the field and competitive. I mean, Tom Brady, we used to go at it. And I'd give him a hug when it was over, but I wanted to kill him during the game. <laughs> he, and he and he he hung. I mean, I remember I was playing for the Jets in 2010. He hung 40 some points on us. It was walking up and down our sideline talking trash. I mean, it, it, it just he didn't, is he that? He didn't way? give a damn if oh, I had to see that. Is yeah. He that? Oh yeah. Big I mean, time. I mean, he didn't. He didn't give a damn if we text. If we were going to text after the game. I mean, right now on national TV, he's trying to embarrass me. But I mean, I was I was so uh, so humbled and floored by the letter. I mean, it was it meant a lot. It was it's quite extensive, and he went on and on and talked and said a lot of great things. But you know, as you go through the course of your career, those are the things that you don't think about sometimes the impact that you're having on your own team or your own teammates, the impact that you're having on your opponent and the attention spent trying to, you know, get, block you or divide the uh, blocking scheme or figure out their game plan. There's a lot that goes into being a blessed player. I, I don't like to say great player because I've had, I've had great results because of the, the great teammates and guys around me, but I was a beneficiary of some of that attention. But you know, when you do things re- repeatedly over and over the right way, and you just try to kind of just keep your head down and keep grinding and keep grinding and doing it right. It just it kind of works out in the end. And, I, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, 
again, the, the letter was, I have, I have three letters in my office, I think, um, at the house that I've hung up. One was from Roger Goodell when I retired, a handwritten letter. Um, one was from Peyton Manning when I retired. He sent me again, a handwritten letter, which was amazing on stationery. And then I have a Tom Brady handwritten note that was separate from this hall of fame one. So the hall of fame one is going to be, is going to go right next to that handwritten Tom Brady thing. And the, and the things that the players say is what touches me so deeply. The things that the commissioner had to say is what touches me so deeply because it had very little to do with playing the game of football. You know, it's very little to do with being on the grass. It's the, it's the other things, the other times, the other impact that you make that, that, you know, you're kind of most proud of. And coach, now that, now that it's over, I've been out five years. You know, can't do it anymore. I can barely run from here to the mailbox. Nah, you're crazy. I, well, you dunk balls. <laughs> you're, you could say that. You can't say that to me. You say that to Whatever. somebody else, but go ahead. Go ahead. But look, after all that's gone, I mean, the lights are off. My, la- my name's off the locker. I lost my front parking spot at the stadium. All those things. The, the money, the fame. I, you know what I miss? I miss sitting in the locker room with the guys and talking trash, listening to music, playing cards. Like you said, sitting there interacting and talking with one another, laughing at each other, laughing with each other. You know, I miss, I miss West coast trips and getting done with the game at midnight and having to fly home and landing back at Miami at five in the morning, sore and miserable because you were cramped up on the plane. You know, I miss the bus rides from the hotel to the stadium. Saturday night meetings where you're sitting there with the guys and you know, you're eating a snack and you're watching, you know, the, the, you're looking at the game plan one last time and guys are joking around because somebody's sweatpants are too short or, you know, what kind of shirt is, it? you know, just, I miss the times with the guys, not the paychecks, not the games. I miss the competition, but really it's the fellas. You just, you can never replace that. And it's, that's, that's that brotherhood that you're talking about. You know, it's not it's not the other people on the other on the other teams. It's the guys that you sit with, and sweat with, and bleed with, and that you bang against. It's the guys that you practice with and and against more than you'll ever play against an opponent. That's you, what I miss. You know, the when I recruit, if I see a player that is off by himself all the time, that doesn't interact with his team, I'm not recruiting that guy. We can't win. And let me say this: it's not fun. This stuff that you did, you're basically saying, I had a ball when I was around the guys. And you and I know that you're only playing one game a week. The rest of the time, you're around the guys. And if you didn't enjoy being around the guys, you could have never been what you ended up being as a player. Your teams could have never been their best. That's what this is for all of us. You know, enjoying each other, uh, respecting each other, being comfortable in your own skin. Who you are, where you came from, I'm comfortable. So your success doesn't affect me. As a matter of fact, I'm happy for your success. It has no bearing on me. That's hard to find. Yeah, I mean, and that's what, but listen, people keep stopping me now. How in the world are you doing this every year? How in the world are you taking new teams and in a short order, it, but, but they don't understand. It takes the whole year. It's, we're not that good early. We're, we struggle in the middle, and by the end, we get better. I do it because we're bringing in good people like you who have good hearts, who are wired and driven and are comfortable in their own skin, knowing I can't do this alone. I need team, and we all have to do this together. 
So I'm spending a lot of time on the road recruiting now, and I've got to tell you, I love the times that I walk in the door and smell one of those home-cooked meals that we enjoy each week from Blue Apron. We're talking about delicious meals made with fresh, high-quality, pre-portioned ingredients delivered right to your door for less than $10 a meal. Plus, with Blue Apron's freshness guarantee, you can be sure that every ingredient in your delivery will arrive ready to cook or they'll make it right. No guesswork standing in line at crowded supermarkets or wasted ingredients. It's no wonder they're the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Some of the meals available in April include spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salada. And pan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com coach. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Ellen's doing it, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com coach. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The Walter Payton Man of the Year. Tell me what that meant to you when that you were you got that call because the Hall of Fame now it's that legacy. But you uh, knowing what I know, this had some impact, maybe just as much. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the Hall of Fame thing was great, as you said. In two thousand six, I played for another amazing coach, um, an amazing football mind named Nick Saban one defensive player of the year in 2006. And I thought, okay, this, this is, this is kind of for a defensive player. This is the pinnacle. Like I, I one defensive player of the year. We weren't a great team, but you know, we played well defensively. I was proud of that. 2007, we had a horrible year. We were one in 15. Just a, I mean, it was a historically bad year, but something amazing happened. And it was beyond what happens this on the field beyond what happens with you know your record or or anything to do not anything but majority of the of the focus is not on the football you know I won the Walter Payton NFL man of the year which in our game is the highest honor it's it, it recognizes your performance and contributions on the field and off the field your professionalism your high standard of play and then the things that you're doing in your community and affecting other others' lives. And that was that was huge for us. We've had a foundation for fifteen years. Um at that time we had we had been in business probably six years, I guess, five or six years. And you know, don't do it for the publicity, don't do it for anything other than to to help out the kids that we're trying to affect. You know, they're trying to save lives and change lives. And I typically hate the media attention. I don't like to publicize it. I don't want to do press conferences about every event we have, but the NFL man of the year kind of really validated what we were trying to do. It really showed that there's a ton of guys out there doing it the right way that are trying to make impacts in their communities that are trying to be positive role models for their teammates and for the kids that watch them on TV for adults that maybe have 10 seconds of their life to interact with you. And, and in, in those 10 seconds, you can change someone's life with a smile. You know, so you know, there's a lot of people doing it, but we were recognized. And I always say we because of myself and my family and the, the folks at the foundation that, that worked tirelessly to help impact lives as well. It was that was a really, really big deal. And 
if I lose an individual honor given to me, you know, based on again on the field and off the field contributions, you know, I have a lot of trophies and stuff and awards here at the house, but the the Walter Payton Man of the Year trophy is sitting at the found at the Jason Taylor Foundation, and it's and I tell the staff there this is this is validation for you guys. This is this is your award as, as much as it is mine. I took care of the on the field stuff. Try not to be a jerk off the field, but you guys have created so many great programs and, and run this thing every day and staff this thing and have made it impactful. Not just a a name on letterhead, but a true pillar in our community of trying of what we're trying to do and again change lives, prepare kids for their opportunities that may come through football, through basketball, through business, through education, whatever it is, you know. This is this is our award. So it was it was amazing. I, I've got a um I'm gonna talk about your foundation just quick because I know you're not one to promote some of the stuff, but I got to. One of the things I'm telling recruits when I walk in and I meet with them at the end, I said, you know, let's say this all goes good and you fame and fortune what's next? What who do you try to impact? Well, they'll say, I'm gonna take care of my mom and my family. Okay, now that's done. Tell me what else. I mean, tell me. And it's hard because when you and I were 17 and 18, it's hard to think like that because you're thinking, what's next? What, what shoes am I wearing? Who's looking? You know, I mean, stuff. But I'm on these kids now. You, you know, these basketball players, it's hundreds of millions. You cannot spend it all. You cannot spend right. it all. What are you going to impact? The Jason Taylor Foundation supports kids and their educations. And and from you're you're giving away scholarships. You're talking about kids going back to school. They need clothes, man, so they feel like everyone else. You're doing that. You're talking about after school reading program. I'm doing things with my kids here because if they're going to be lifelong learners, they've got to be lifelong readers. If you're not a lifelong reader, you're not going to be a lifelong learner, and you're doing that, including poetry programs. You know. This, what you're doing and how you got started had to be your mom. Your mom had to be a pay it forward person. She had to be, or you wouldn't have this. You don't just acquire this by looking around saying, you know, I think there's somebody that put that in your heart. I imagine it's your mom, but I'll tell you what, of all the things, the hall of fame, the Walter Payton man of the year, your legacy is going to be those kids and they're going to start coming back saying, I don't know what would have happened if this wasn't there. And I just got to congratulate you and say, you know, I'm, I'm in with you. If there's any way I can help you, you know I'm here. You know how I am. I'm going to see you at the fantasy camp. I did look at your stats at Akron. Um, you shot 48% from the field, but you were like 56 from the foul line, and that hasn't improved yeah. much. Well, it hadn't improved much. And I'm going to leave this. I want you to just say this. Now, again, I'm telling you, millennials listen to this. So you're going to have a lot of people that are just starting their career. Uh, you're going to have some some kids that are in college. You're going to have high school kids. That's who listens to these podcasts. You have your own children. I mean, can you give us maybe a couple things that you would say that, look, here are things that I've learned, and here's a couple pieces of advice that you would give to your own kids. And that's how I want to kind of wrap this thing up. Okay. Yeah, I um, and I have a 
have a 14 year old son who's going to be playing football next year in high school. And, and I coach and I also coach my 12 year old son. So I'm, I'm at that stage. I'm trying to push these, uh, trying to drop pieces of knowledge and, and give incentive and advice uh, to my kids all the time. And also the kids that I coach. So it, I mean, there's, there's certain things I really believe in. Um, number one, you have to dream big and people say it all the time. You hear it, you read it, you see it on bumper stickers, you see it on refrigerator magnets, but it's so true. You've got to say, I think it's very powerful writing your own goals down, writing goals down on an index card or a piece of paper in your own handwriting, not putting it in the notes app on your phone, not putting it on your iPad, but getting a piece of paper and a pen or a Sharpie and writing it down and putting it next to your bed. My, I just had my son do it last weekend and he it's sitting next to his bed and it, three goals for high school, three goals for what you want to do with life. And I think it's powerful to see it in your own handwriting. So I would say dream big, write it down, and then have a plan. You know, you can't just have a goal and not have no plan on how to get there. Have a plan. You know, for for some kids it might be I want to make the JV team as a as a sophomore, and or, or make the JV team as a as a freshman, and maybe this this varsity team as a sophomore through my senior year, get a scholarship to maybe a division two school or you know, a lower level school. Maybe it's a big school, whatever it is, but have a plan and how you're going to go about doing that. A workout program. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to do, do this right. I'm going to stay out of trouble. It, kind of write those things down. I, I'm a big believer in that. Never let anybody tell you you can't do it because if this skinny kid from Pittsburgh that was 170 pounds soaking wet when he left high school, had no idea what he was doing in the football field, couldn't shoot well enough from the free throw line to play at a big, at a big college of basketball. And then I still 20 years later ended up in the NFL. Trust me, if I can do it, anybody walking God's green earth can do it. And then the other thing is you touched on it. Never stop learning. You know, I'm, I'm retired now for five years, 42 years old and getting old and crotchety. And, but it's, you never stop learning. You, You hit the nail right on the head. I mean, whether it's, if you want to, I'd rather them read, you know, reading books, magazines, articles, newspapers, read something. Instead of getting it fed to you through through YouTube or through some app on your phone or your iPad, both of which I have, but instead of getting force fed through those things, just grab the paper and pick it up and read it. Grab a book and pick it up and read it. I, I started a book yesterday that a friend of mine gave me called Startup Nation. It's about the start and the rise of Israel, the, the, the nation of Israel. And it's I couldn't put the freaking thing down last night. It was one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I gotta get to bed. I had to get up this morning <laughs> for practice. But I mean, it's just, and I've, I've learned so much in the first, I don't know, I read 125 pages. I'm going to take it now and finish it, to, finish it today, but just keep that brain going. I mean, keep it, the, the more you learn, the better off you're going to be in life. I'm, I never want to be the smartest guy in the room. I mean, it's, it ain't going to happen anyway, but I never want to be the smartest guy in the room. I always want to be learning from somebody else that has done more, done better, had success in their own arenas, had different experiences. And that, that's kind of what I got. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, you make us all proud. I'm proud to be your friend. I mean, uh, even today, you know, it's funny when you sit down and this is like you and I just had a cup of coffee and we're throwing back and forth stuff, but learning and now I see um, why you become who you are. And when we see you like 
if someone didn't know, they wouldn't know. This is a Hall of Famer. This is a guy that elicits respect from anybody that ever came in contact with him. It elicits respect. And you've done that because of how you've worked, but also how you treat people. And, and again, I'll say this, your heart, that came from your mom. I mean, you could just tell that came from your mom. And I, I just want to tell you, I can't wait to see you at camp. Make sure you're practicing those free throws because we, you know, you can't be losing games missing free throws. But, Jason, appreciate it. You're a good man. I look forward to seeing you this summer. Thanks, Coach. It's a pleasure talking to you and uh, go Big Blue. Well, you know, I think you, you get the gist of the guests that I have. I always, you know, it's, it, yeah, I want to know about you professionally, but let, let me, what makes you tick? Mother gave him a heart, a giver's heart. Um, Jason Taylor, his foundation is impacting lives and doing it in a way, you know, he lets people do what they do, but he's there in every way to make sure it's done right that it's affecting kids in the way he wants it done. The Walter Payton Man of the Year, the impact it had on him, tells you about the man, Jason Taylor. I really enjoyed it, and I learned a a ton and a bunch of nuggets for me to use. I hope it was the same for you. 